Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. My name is Matt Hudson, and I'm joined, as ever, across the pond by the statesman to my kingsman, John Burke from Burke Reviews. How are you, sir? I am doing very well, Matt. You know, just chilling over here in Florida at like 80 degrees or so. (laughs) Chilling like a villain, as the the descendants would say. For you, sir. For you. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's been in my brain for too much. I am uh, fighting off a cold, and it is just a cold. I feel like I have to uh, double down on that because of the world we live in. So um, apologies if I sound slightly less um, awesome as ever. But it's been a bloody awesome week nonetheless. But uh, before I mention anything else, are you keeping Florida safe? Are you, yeah, you know, I'm doing my thing. Doing my thing. BLB, Be Like Book, of which I have been this week. We'll mention that later. Um, for those new to the bloody awesome movie podcast, welcome. Uh, on this show, we deliver non-spoiler reviews of the biggest release of the week or most interesting release. And in a few days' time, we will also release a spoiler mini-sode. And... This week, we mentioned last week that we're really getting into the business end now. Film is back. Cinema's back. This week, we have one of the biggest, literally biggest films of the year. And we're covering Dune. Dune this week. Directed by Daniel, Denis Villeneuve. Sorry, Denis Villeneuve. Written by John Spades, Eric Roth and Villeneuve himself. And it stars, wow, Timothy Chalamet. Oh, I can't talk today. Timothy <laughs> Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Zendaya, Oscar Isaac, Jason Momoa, Stellan Skarsgård, Stephen McKinley Henderson, Josh Brolin, Javier Bardem, Sharon Duncan Brewster, amongst many, many others. Uh, IMDb says uh, an adaptation of Frank Herbert's sci-fi novel about the son of a noble family entrusted with the protection of the most valuable asset and the most vital elements in the galaxy. Hmm. Uh, how's it doing critically? 83% on Rotten Tomatoes, 75 Metascore, IMDB user score has a 8.3, and Letterbox 4.1 out of 5, which is very good for Letterbox. And internationally, it was released in theatres. It's been released in Europe since oh, about the last month. UK and United States on the same day, and it's still being rolled out across the world up until the first week of December, which is wild. And it's also dropped on HBO Max, much to the chagrin of Denis Villeneuve as well. So if you're in the States, you can watch it at home. Now, as I mentioned, we give non-spoiler reviews and thoughts upon these films on this episode. So straight up top, I'm going to spoil the entire thing by saying I have nothing bad to say about Dune. I don't think (laughs) genuinely have nothing bad to say about it. I thought, Dune was fantastic across the board. Um, the only, a lot of nitpicks I've heard are, oh, it feels incomplete. Ooh. So, did fellowship, so did Fellowship of the Ring, but that was still really good. Do you know what I mean? Things like that. So did yeah. Empire Strikes Back as, as, as a part of a, a, a well, franchise, but that was still opening, good. The opening title card legitimately says part one. Like, exactly. And we've known a sequel was in the at least in the headspace. We didn't know if it was going to get enough money in the box office to warrant a sequel because yeah. this was not a cheap production by any means. No, um, no, no. But, yeah, but, like, that's that's a weird criticism because it, it is a it, it stupid is a criticism. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it's not like The Hobbit, where the second Hobbit movie ends in the middle of a sequence. Jesus. Like, it ends abruptly. This movie ends at an ending point. It's a logical stopping point. And I will hold off a little bit, but I, I uh, Matt, we... We often, when it's a movie like this, where there's a franchise or at least a big following of the source material, we, we usually mm-hmm. kind of establish our relationship to it. So yeah, I, I yeah, know yeah. nothing. Um, have you I'm, seen the old movie? Have you read the books? I've seen the Lynch film uh, many moons ago, but I've never read the book. So I only had the David Lynch film as any kind of um, any any kind of source material to rebound off. But I've, other than that... Never read Frank Herbert's books, uh, but I have watched Star Wars, which set me up for an awful lot of what I was about to watch. But um, yeah, I, a couple of the other criticisms which I've seen levied are um, so, uh, some people didn't like Timothy Chalamet's performance. Others didn't like the pacing. Um, I liked both of those things. The only thing I came out of the theatre and I put in my review that I can legitimately see people having an issue with, which I didn't, 
was the necessary need for exposition and law building. They have to build this galaxy and mm-hmm. with it I'm I'm told that in the novel it's even it's the same, if not worse, but they have to go you know, full on jargon, for want of a better term. You know, they they don't they don't serve up the law in any kind. They're not writing it in crayons here. They're serving it to you as if, look, we're all, we're all, we're all adults here. You, you, you're going to get this if you just pay attention. That's how I took it, and I was able to follow the story, follow the law, and the state of the galaxy very, very quickly. Um, I thought the performances were all solid, including Momoa, including Batista. They played to their strengths completely. Um, I thought visually, visually this film was out of this world. It was, it, it looked big, and by that I mean Villeneuve is a mar- fantastic at uh, showing the scale, really highlighting the mm. scope and scale of his productions, and they really did that here, like during some of the action scenes. It wasn't just, you know, oh, look, look at this big explosion. Villeneuve and the and Greg Fraser, the cinematographer, were, were showing you the extreme extent. You know, how the size of people compared to the size of a building and a ship really making me feel in awe of the size of this. The story, I thought, was, for the first half of the story, very decent. Again, it's, you know, if you've seen Star Wars, you'll recognise a lot of the tropes, but George Lucas took all of those tropes from Frank Herbert's Dune. So I haven't, I'm waiting to see people saying this is a, this is a Star Wars ripoff, but it isn't. Um, I, uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to see this, as I mentioned last week, via Warner Brothers, at Warner Brothers, in some of the most comfiest seats possible, with some of the best sound I've ever heard in a cinema. If you're going to showcase your, your big film of the year, you got, you want to hope that you've got the best sound system and down at Warner Brothers HQ in London, the sound was office charts good. And this film really, you, you re- and that people say you need to see this film on the bigger screen. I agree with that, but you need to have the best sound system. And I'm not going to denigrate or say you should never watch this at home because I've also been saying, do what you want, watch it at home, it's a choice. But the sound in this thing was fantastic. And not just the, the action scenes, but just throughout. They really, really nailed it. I'm struggling, JB, to find fault with this film. Look, I'm, I'm sure there is. But for me, performances, visuals, Hans Zimmer's bonkers good score, oh, cinematography, yeah. um, the scope, the lore, the story, the expectations I had were all met or exceeded. I genuinely can't find fault. I'm not going to say it's it's a masterpiece which has you know which can never be topped. But for my viewing, I came out when I thought every box was checked. JB, this is the best film of the year for me. What about yourself? Well, I'm I'm a big Villeneuve fan. Um, I love Blade mm-hmm. Runner 2049. I love Arrival. I have not seen Prisoners, and I haven't seen a couple of his earlier films pre-Enemy, uh, but I've seen everything else. And I'm a big fan. I love his style. I love his storytelling. I like his pacing. It is slower. Yeah. It is He's not rushing to tell his stories. Why I think he fits so perfectly into sci-fi. Um, but my connection to Dune is... is very close. Uh, I had not seen Lynch's Dune until the night before I saw this Dune. Um, I watched the 1984 Dune on my TV at home Friday night, and then I went to the theater to see Dune 2021 um, on the big screen. And I, I like both, to be honest. Um, I, I I think you can enjoy both. I think there's something there for both. I think the 80s one feels very campy. Um, and there's a lot of, because of how dense the lore is for this, there's a lot of characters saying things that we would never do. Like, like describing like what's happening. Like they're literally like, Oh no, they're doing this thing. And that allows <laughs> this. And uh, we have voiceover from many characters. Like that yep. you don't usually get voiceover from multiple perspectives. It's usually like, but we have to hear internal thoughts. Otherwise we will not know what's going on because this book is so dense. Um, and there, uh, Lynch has a opening narration with a person talking directly to us to make sure we get at least some of the backstory. Um, but that, like, this movie improves on all of that, like leaps and bounds. Obviously, the effects are are much better looking because it's eighty four. There's not a whole lot of you know computer generated effects yet. Um, they're little suits. You know, they have like the when they battle, they have like the little shaky suits. Um, I don't know what to call them. They don't, I don't think they named them in, in either movie, but uh, it's their armor. I guess you could say it like stops yeah. them from being able to attack or whatever. 
looks terrible in the 84, but at the same time, <laughs> yeah. at, at the time, it's impressive. It's not like not a criticism course, of what yeah, she yeah. was able to do. It's just like, wow, by comparison, awful. But the one thing that I've noticed, and this is not a criticism inherently to Dune 2021, but more maybe to uh, maybe to the, the state of the world in the last 20 years, <laughs> but I've noticed a shift. Both Dune uh, and Star Wars follow the hero's journey, right? Yes. yes. And I think I might have texted this to you, but I, I believe I said the Paul from the 1984 movie is much more like Luke Skywalker. He's kind of excited about the opportunity to become this hero, this legend. Yep. And Kylo, in, or you could even argue Ray, because Ray's not... She's not totally pessimistic, but she's definitely more pessimistic than Luke was. Like, mm-hmm. especially in like Jedi and and Rise of Skywalker, she's much more like angstful and doubtful. But definitely Kylo, um, he's got the emo edge, right? Oh yes, and that's kind of a knock a knock on Chalamet in general is that he has been kind of typecast as a a bit of a hipster character, mm-hmm. right? Like he often yep. plays the the dejected millennial or whatnot. And that comes off on the screen. I don't think it's a performance issue. I actually think it's reflective in the hero's journey. I think we have seen a mutation to um, Joseph Campbell hero's journey, the mythos that it's no longer a hero's journey. It's a hero's burden. Mm -hmm. It is destiny is not a thing to embrace and and become, but it's, it's more of something that is placed upon us and we have to just deal with, like we have to accept our role but it doesn't mean we have to like our role. And I think you see that even debated in the matrix. Yes. Um, yes. There's a lot of conversation about destiny and free will and Neo, like not wanting destiny, but at the end of the day, he kind of just takes on the mantle of the one. And that is what I think you're seeing with Chalamet's performance. And again, I don't think it's bad. I think I actually really like it, but I am a little burnt out on the dark and gritty hero. Um, and that's not a criticism to Villeneuve. That's kind of just what we've got yeah. for the last 20 years. I, I think can see know, that. some have done it really well. I, I like the Nolan Batman, but he is a much darker, grittier Batman than let's say the Batman forever Batman, you know? Um, and then we've seen a lot of the DC heroes got washed with that, that brush. And that was a, Ooh, a big yes. criticism with, uh, a lot of fans of Superman didn't like the Man of Steel take or the Snyder take, if you will. Um, and then we've seen a lot of other dark and gritty heroes and the rise of the anti-hero losing the word anti in front of it for a lot of people. People are unaware that they're rooting for an anti-hero. They're just seeing the villain as the hero. You know, they're seeing like Walter White as this guy. And so I think that's just in reflection of, of the culture, which makes me sad. So it's not a criticism about the movie as much as it's like, man, I kind of miss the optimistic, like, oh, look what I can do, hero. Because Kyle MacLachlan's Paul definitely seems way happier about everything that's going on. Even the sad stuff, he still seems like more upbeat. And maybe that's just a MacLachlan thing because he is kind of like, he's kind of an 80s camp guy. Like he, you know, even in Twin Peaks, when everything is crazy, he's still got like this kind of upbeat, like his... To me, when he's praising coffee and donuts in Twin Peaks is the epitome of what I'm talking about, that his personality just kind of has this optimism vibe about him that is great, and I like it. And it's why he works as Paul in that movie and why, despite so much of the stuff that doesn't work for me in that time period and that style of of storytelling, um, which isn't even exclusive to Lynch, like it's very much like he's at the mercy of the material. There's just so much to cover. Um, and keep in mind, he does both parts in the same runtime mm-hmm. that Villeneuve's one part is like, he, it's the same, almost exact length of movie. It's 137 minutes for the old one. And I think we're at like, uh, what it's like uh, 140 or something. This one, one is yeah, it's 137. Nope. I clicked on the same thing. Yeah. I'm sorry. Hang on. Okay. No, no. I'll allow, I'll, I'll allow that faux pas. I thought I clicked on the other dude and I clicked <laughs> on the same dude. Well, well on um, your point now about that, there was a few mo again, this isn't to Chalamet's detriment because whilst I've mm-hmm. always said, I think he's a good actor, but sometimes I, th- I find him too theatrical and I don't always believe him. There were mm. moments in this film where, and I did say afterwards as well, when I came out, I thought, you know what? Some of that, it, some of those lines sounded and his, his mannerisms were very Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker. Mm. And, that, and I took, and again, I don't mind Hayden, but, um, and he's talking about emo. You can watch something like life as a house and whew, but, um, good film, but, uh, that's what I took. So it's interesting that he also took a kind of sort of, um, emo, 
angsty Star Wars uh, sort of hero, anti-hero hero vibe yeah. as well. Yeah, and that's again, I like that. I'm not opposed to that. Yeah, but yeah. Having just the night before watched a different take on it, it was the thing that kind of stood in, in stark contrast to me was the the vibe, like the Paul and his attitude about the situation he found himself in felt significantly different. And it's possible I'm misreading the eighties campiness as optimism because it's, you know, it's a little silly, a little lighthearted and like, it's noticeable though. And so that's, that's my, my take. And, but I also love this movie. I also think it's, uh, you know, breathtaking. I don't know that I, I wouldn't put it as my favorite film of the year. Is it maybe one of the best made films of the year? Yeah, I think that's an easy argument. But as far as like my enjoyment while watching it, I I did I loved it. But I I would lean towards a few of the other movies that we've seen this year mm-hmm. um, for myself. Uh, again, especially movies that like really surprised me this year. The one that I will I think keeps pulling me back in utter shock at how good it was is Free Guy because I literally thought Free Guy was going to be just yep. dumb and stupid. Throw away. And, it, it, it surprised me in so many good ways. And so um, I don't know that that's my favorite movie of the year, but like, and then Shang-Chi, which a Marvel movie I was on board with, but I did not expect to have such a good time and so much commitment to that character that I went and saw it a second time. Um, I think it's the only movie from this year that I've seen twice. Uh, I might rewatch Dune though, to be fair, like, uh, cause it's on HBO max and I do think it's great. And I have seen it on the big screen, so I feel comfortable watching it at home. Yep. Now. Um, but uh yeah, I, I also love the movie. I think it's excellent. I do encourage everyone to go see it on the biggest screen possible if mm-hmm. it's safe for you to do so. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, you know, really hopeful that uh, we, I don't know, it, it definitely feels like a Lord of the Rings or like a Star Wars, like the epic quality oh, of yeah. it is there and it did make me want to read the books um which when i say read i mean listen to because i will not read them <laughs> yeah, yeah of course of course i feel that i thought rebecca ferguson is also very good i know she's yeah. been getting a lot of hype but oscar isaac space daddy very good josh Brolin again not everybody had the biggest roles and uh we'll speak more so in on the spoiler episode but i think when the, the i mentioned people like batista villeneuve's worked with him on blade runner and he used him well there, just make him the heavy. Similar thing here. I think St- Stellan Skarsgård was absolutely menacing as the Baron. I genuinely think Stellan Skarsgård mm. was a fabulous choice for the villain, uh, or of part one at least. Um, but I think, yeah, performance-wise, I think very good. Again, this is as a, as a sci-fi film, as a genre film, performances aren't always, you know, kind of where you look, but uh, I'm not going to say anyone here is going to be in the front runner for for an Oscar. Not like that is the be all and end all, but I think everyone bought their A game, which only contributed to what I think was just a fabulous film. And yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the other films I've got in my top, the top of my list. And there's just something about this film. It was the expectation as well. I really wanted to like it. And I did, but at no point during this two hour, 35, 40 minute film, whatever was I bored. No, at no point did I think, Oh man, come on, move, move along. I was just, in and if a film can do that to me it's always going to score highly so um that's part of my part of my reasoning as to why but um it also made me very very excited for part two um which halloween kills we did last week did not make me excited for the mm-hmm. for the following installment whatsoever whereas this nope. did this ended perfectly well so if there wasn't a part two it would be very disappointing of course but this didn't end like you say on a massive cliffhanger it ended on, on like a source of hope there's no spoilers there um but it made me want to see part two now where, I mean, whereas other films haven't done that this year and again no spoiler but i do believe that this movie ends at a probably just past the midpoint of the david lynch film uh, um, yeah i think so because yes. the lynch film condense like again it's 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 both parts in one movie and it does it was kind of jarring when it happened in lynch's film i was like wait what what now how far did we just jump ahead (laughs) so i'm kind of grateful for the uh the break in films because i was thrown when it happened in the lynch film because i was like whoa 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 we're not getting all the other stuff like it felt like you know catapulted way into the future in that movie so i think the the stopping point villeneuve did is is correct yep well, they called it unfilmable. Uh, David Lynch did two books in one, and uh, and Denis Villeneuve has crushed the first half. So I think it's f- safe to say then that we both highly recommend Dune. See it on the bigger screen possible, if safe to do so. Um, 
If not, watch it at home and hopefully you have as good a time as, as we seem to have had with it. Um, am I allowed to say that on your behalf, John? Yes, sir, definitely. I would never want to speak for the statesman. Um, right, well, we'll have our spoiler episode out on Monday, so a few days' time uh, from this, if you want to hear us talk about mm, so maybe some of the moments we particularly enjoyed. But now we are going to head on over to our next segment, which we call Chuffed Headlines, where John and myself, we pick a movie or pop culture news headline that caught our attention for any reason we want, and we tell each other and tell all of you as well. So, John, what headlines caught your eye, my friend? So my headline is, uh, a, I don't know if you are aware, Matt, but I <laughs> really loved Encino Man growing up. I, I've um, heard. And I also really like the 1999 The Mummy. I agree. Big fan. And both of those movies star Brendan Fraser. Um, or Fraser. I always mess up his correct pronunciation Fraser. of the name. But um, they are doing several DC movies straight to HBO Max, uh, like currently scheduled for next year. And it was announced that Brendan Fraser will re- uh, be playing the villain in the Batgirl movie. Um, oh. And it seems like he'll be playing Firefly, which I was is a Batman villain. I only know from the Arkham games. I don't remember which one he's in. I think he's in Arkham city. Um, and, but I, I wasn't super familiar with him prior to that, but very cool villain. Um, I, I'm all in on that because I love Brendan Fraser. So I'm like, yes, yes, bring him in, uh, put him in the movie. Um, super excited uh, to see all these DC characters get live action uh, roles. And again, they're basically DC's really embracing the multiverse um, kind of yep. you know, approach to their movies where like anything, if they can be one shots, they don't have to be connected to any of the other stuff. Or maybe they are. It just seems to depend. Um, I think these are going to be one shots. They might be in universe these movies might connect like the nightwing movie might be connected to the Batgirl movie but they won't be connected to the batman that is coming out next year um who knows for sure but uh i am i am intrigued especially because right now fraser is filming darren aronofsky's movie the whale where i believe he is playing the 600 pound man yes Um, he's put on some weight for that right he has not put on 600 pounds everybody but no 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 some weight um but I'm assuming he'll have to lose it to be a firefly villain. Cause he's a villain with a jetpack who shoots fire. Um, so, he, you know, granted, I don't know that he'll actually be in the suit per se. Like, I don't know, you know, you could film him as yeah, the, yeah. the, the character or doing voice work. I'm not sure. Uh, I know that his part of the reason why we lost Frazier for so long was he took a beating in the three mummy movies and was like needed back surgery and stuff like yeah. that. So, um, I wouldn't imagine him taking on too physical a role. Uh, the stuff we've got to see him in so far, it's been more, you know, just performance based, which I think he's great. I think he is underrated and he's so good at giving us comedy. Um, I think playing yeah. a villain like this, especially if they take it comic bookish, you know, and allow him to be a little big, a little campy, I think it'd be a lot of fun. So I'm hopeful for it. Yep. Yeah, let the bre- Renaissance continue. We've got the whale, uh, not the film, the whale killers of the flower moon with the Scorsese film. You know, Brent, Brendan's coming back and that's great. You t- took time off for like for injury and for obviously the, the, the claims of sexual assault, which he made, um, which forced him out of the limelight, but it's great to see that he's coming back. And you've mentioned yeah that he's doing more performance based films. It's great to see him in a film like potential, Assume that all goes ahead because you never know in this world. Uh, Batgirl, which I believe is going to HBO Max directly, but um, yeah, it's great yeah, it to is. see him in a role like this where you said it perfectly that hopefully he'll be able to imbue it with some a bit of camp and a bit of fun because that is Brendan Fraser all over. He seems like such a good, cool guy, he genuinely seems like such a good guy, but he has comic timing, he's a good actor at the same time, and I think he could have some fun with this if they let him. Um, if they let him, it depends on the tone. Of course, if if they're going for a, for a more serious film, which I don't think they're going to, uh, then maybe a kind of camp villain isn't going to work. But if they like they said, if they lean into they lean into the the comics a bit more and that kind of vibe, this could be some very good casting. As I haven't seen the film or anything to do with it, or I don't know an awful lot about Firefly, but then what I've read, uh, I I can only say this will hopefully be good casting but on a top level view just seeing brendan fraser getting cast in more things we've said this before on the show but just seeing him get cast again and not just in 
no, no, again, no disrespect, but and not just in kind of smaller, low budget independent films, but he's but in a big DC HBO movie, in the Scors in a Scorsese film, in a Aronofsky film. You know, it's getting these kind of big projects which may not again may not be blockbuster hits but he's working with respected directors auteurs and in films which are going to challenge him and that people who like film are going to dig and he's given him a chance now to flex his chops a little bit and then he's going to go to get to have some fun on Batgirl I'm all here for it my friend yeah I'm super excited I, I can't wait to uh, to get to watch some of these new HBO movies because again Unlike Netflix and unlike Prime, a lot of the HBO straight to HBO content that has existed has been top tier, right? Like mm-hmm. they're they're not proving themselves is what I mean by Netflix and, and Prime. I think people are still uh, what is a Netflix movie? What is a Prime movie? And yes. there's been good examples and bad examples of Kissing Booth, but oh, Jesus. Um, HBO and again that's not to say there's never been a bad HBO series or a bad HBO show, but I think we we have a higher expectation of what those look like and i i'm i'm hopeful that they'll be solid and remember not all not all films at netflix uh market as an original are actually their films uh as they just buy the rights to them whereas these films are going straight to hbo finance by hbo as well so they are yes. genuine originals in every sense of the word so yes um, yeah, yeah not just repurposed or whatever but. exactly not just uh they've just bought it from another studio and stuck netflix all over it uh which is never a good sign usually um my headline, though, my friend, is bouncing off of the film we've just been speaking about in the last pretty much 90 minutes before recording this show. Warner Brothers and Legendary have officially announced, no rumours, officially announced that Dune Part 2 is, is going gonna, is gonna to go into production and it's going to be released in October 2023. So for me, we're coming out of the theatre, jumping off what I was saying earlier on, it made me so excited for Part 2. But there was a kind of fear of, firstly, you know, will we get part two? I've always said we're absolutely going to get a part two. You know, there is no way, I don't care what anyone says, and I don't think any director's bigger than a studio, but there's no way in hell are they putting part one in front of this film, which is what they did in the title yeah. card, and not having anything in place. They've had part two in, they've had this in the bag all along probably but they wanted to see what the reaction was like it's positive let's drop the news now let's let's keep this thing going let's get more bums in seats for next for this weekend showings you know let's let's keep because it's, it's doing well at the box office it isn't doing bad it's crossed 200 million worldwide which is a good start with this news it might get people re-watching it it might get people who haven't seen it watching it or via hbo max as well so it's great timing to drop this news and it's uh it, and it's just great news for somebody like me or for someone like jb who enjoyed the film this is great news but i i have i had no doubt whatsoever that they were going to have a a, a sequel to this film uh, i think like i say part one of the title card but also just the size of the damn thing yes of course had the film made um the last jewels box office like nine million okay then i will concede but i couldn't see a world where there was never a dune too big man i mean the the reality I'm going to throw as a defense or counter to your title card Please do. is the dark universe. Um, I'll never forget watching the mummy, the uh, oh, Tom dude. Cruise take on it and the universal logo spinning around into the dark universe logo and them calling their shots. Like we've got a franchise. Uh, nope. Nope. Because the mummy was terrible. And that's what I guess. Well, so, you're talking, I'm going to have a look at what the box office for that. Cause I know it, yeah, it didn't do well critically as well, of course, well, as we know. Again, I'm not saying that there was never a. Ch- I'm just saying there was definitely a chance that we've seen a studio eat crow before. Yeah. It's definitely possible. Uh, it's unlikely. And again, Villeneuve's a pedigreed director. I do think it would have taken a lot for the, him not to be able to get the second part made. Yes. Um, but I, I was I was nervous because we're living in a weird time. And mm-hmm. true, um, that's true. Yep. And, you know, HBO has been very unsuccessful uh, with their or Warner Brothers with their box office, at, most likely as a result of HBO Max. In fact, I have film students who like today I had a student tell me, oh, I think I'm going to go see Venom tonight at our local theater. And I was like, why don't you see Dune? He's like, well, it's on HBO Max. And I'm like, uh. mm-hmm. and I as as a one, I'm like, well, yeah, I want to be like, well, but Venom sucks. <laughs> don't watch Venom. Uh, but instead, I'm just like. And Venom doesn't suck. It's just, it's so 
mediocre. But um, I'm like, yeah, but Dune's designed to be on the big screen. And he's like, yeah, but it's on HBO Max. I'm like, to be fair, I have the unlimited. I can see any movie at my theater with no yes. additional cost. It's actually in my in my best interest to see as many movies as I can to get my money's worth, right? To like maximize my, if I'm paying 20 bucks, I need to see at least two movies Absolutely. to justify that. But the more I see, the less I pay per movie. So for a, a kid though, that has a subscription HBO max and they have $10. Well, why would they pay for something they already have access to? And yeah. I can't argue against that. Like he knows he has, maybe this is the only movie he's going to get to see on the big screen for the next two weeks. Well, he's going to see something he has no way to watch, which is his articulation. He's like, I can't see Venom anywhere else. So I'm, I want to see that. I also want to see Dune, but I can see that at home. I'm going to watch it there. Yeah. And that I'll has been that. The, the big concern with HBO Max in general. Is like, And that's why they did it, though. They knew they were going to take a hit at the box office. They wanted movies to be seen. So they would rather people subscribe to HBO Max and watch the movies than not see them at all. And yeah. I like that. The downside is, if your metric is still box office, which it has been for most of these uh, same day rele- releases, both for like Black Widow getting a lot of trash talk, even though theirs was available to watch at home, um, it was nerve wracking that this wouldn't hit the numbers that it needed uh, to get the sequel. And I, it did not feel like HBO was going to count streaming views as part of the metric. And that had me worried that there was a chance we would not get to see Dune Part 2. And that would suck because this movie does end incomplete. Again, I don't think it feels incomplete, but we know there's more. Like we yes. are left with, there is more to come. Get ready. Um, and I will say, not a spoiler for Dune, but worthy of note, a lot of the cast is not in the movie very, very much. Like some of the names that are going to pull people into mm-hmm. seeing. And that might make you feel like it's incomplete in that regard. Like, like I'm so excited for actor a, and then you get there and like actor A's more or less like going to be in it later, but they're barely in it now. And that could, you know, make people feel like it's incomplete. But fortunately now we know, thank goodness that we have this for this episode. Even we are definitely going to get the sequel. Hopefully it will stay on that, that, trajectory as far as release date because I, w- I the longer we have to wait the worse I'm going to feel about it like I, I would like I really wish they'd film these simultaneously yeah. um, so that we were getting it like in six months or a year instead of two years but you know take what we can get that's it man I, I hear your I hear your words and your concerns and I absorb them but like I still in my heart I, I could never see it not happening sure um, unless of course it bombed but I hear you though man and the dark universe is is a worthy um, mention because they really remember the member the cast picture of all of the, yes. the main cast and yeah uh, one all, film and big, huge actors like huge big actors. actors and uh, with that, that film I had look the mummy 2017 it made 410 million worldwide off a budget which ranged from 125 to 195 depending on who you believe mm-hmm. so it wasn't I mean it it, it didn't it, 410 million is a lot maybe they wanted more but still not yeah. that bad a, a, a of no. a return it's just yep, obviously yep. it got middling reviews, whereas Dune, great reviews, fairly decent return so far, um, and it hasn't opened in all territories yet. So uh, I'm just glad well, to hear, though, that it is getting a part two. And I hear what you mean, though, my friend. It's incomplete in the sense that maybe you expected more from other characters, but it's part of, you know, they're adapting part of a story, like Lord of the Rings and that, like we mentioned. If you're if, if in Lord of the Rings, you wanted more of King Theoden in the Fellowship, yeah. then you've got to wait for the Two Towers. Well, I hope that in part two, Javier Bardem oh. at some point says, Arrakis is no planet for old men. Yeah. <laughs> and if he does that, we cheer. I will. I, I'm pitching it right now, Villeneuve. I know you're listening. Uh, you know, have him say that line for me. Um, maybe or or better cast Tommy Lee Jones to let him say it. Oh. Um, I would be in for either one. Uh, it's been a while since Tommy's been in a movie. Let's get him on screen. Um, Ad Astra is the last one I can remember him being in. Yeah, um, and it would make sense. Oh, oh, you can tie that in. He's the character from Ad Astra. He's out there somewhere. He he got some of the spice, um, and he folded <laughs> yeah. space. That's it's, the way it's very writable. Correct. Well, we know that Javier, Tommy, and Denis listen. So come on. Yes. Just, just do that do that for us and I'll be very happy. Um, also, Stellan Skarsgård wanted more nude scenes in Ooh. the film, so which he usually does. So uh, give us more naked Stellan Skarsgård in Dune 2, 
um, Denis. So that's 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 our main concern. Uh, but moving on then, my friend, that is our wonderful headlines. Brendan Fraser's coming back again. Dune Part 2 is coming as well. So let's move on to media consumption uh, in this segment, John and myself. Right, we list the movies, TV shows, video games, the music we've listened to, the podcasts we've listened to that aren't ours, comic books, whatever it is, whatever we've indulged in to pass the time since our last episode. Here's our chance to get it out there into the world. So, John, what's on your list? So, Blank Check Podcast, uh, they yes. just dropped the Memoirs of the Invisible Man. I've yet to actually watch the movie, but I have listened to the episode. I do have the movie, <laughs> planning on watching it. Um, I was just, it It was one where I wasn't really worried about spoilers um, anyways. Like, I'm just like, yeah, it's fine. I don't care if they if they spoil it, because it's not a movie I'm, like, super pumped to watch. Like, no one defends that movie. Like, I have yet to hear a, mm-hmm. a defense of that film. Um, it, yeah, it it's sounds fine. like Carpenter, you know, this is the film that kind of wrecks the Carpenter uh, streak. He's his first like twelve movies are masterpieces to some degree or another, and then Invisible Man hits, and it doesn't seem like a John Carpenter film. It seems like he lost control of it, and uh, just kind of spirals from there. Um, even though I do like In the Mouth of Madness, but um, it didn't. It doesn't have the following that those first twelve movies have. Um, but it's a great episode of the podcast, as per usual. Uh, I've completed the What We Do in the Shadows up to now. I think there's two more episodes probably. I think mm-hmm. we're at eight. So uh, I just can't recommend that show enough, man. It's so funny. <laughs> um, I'm finding more people who have started watching it, and I'm so excited. I need to watch. There's a spinoff series on HBO Max um, about, like, two New Zealand police officers. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but I've heard it's also very, very good, um, and I'm going to get to it. I don't know if it's a spinoff of the movie because they're, they're definitely, like, New Zealand officers – and the show is not in New Zealand. Like the show is, is in America. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So like, um, I don't know if it's a spinoff of the show or the movie, but I've heard the show is uh, very good also. And I need to, to hop on that. Um, but I've been watching movies. Um, I did see the last duel, which yes. I think you mentioned last week, if I remember correctly, but uh, I think I did. Yes. Cause we spoke about it. I, I like for those listening, I liked the last duel, heavy watch, tough watch, but yes. I think it's a very, very good film. I, I actually love the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. It is an extremely tough watch. I, there was a scene where I don't know if I've ever felt more uncomfortable watching. Oh, um, man. But I was so invested by the end of the movie. Like, I, I literally threw my hands up in the air several times. I was ready to riot if the outcome was not to my liking. Like, I was so invested in the film. Uh, the fight scenes are so visceral um, some of the best like medieval like battle sequences that I can think of, like, and it, they're not major moments of the film, but like when they're there, like he went all in on them. They're small scale by comparison to some, like I haven't seen his film kingdom of heaven, uh, his being Ridley Scott. Um, I love I that, the, that Affleck and Damon and, um, I forget the female writer's name wrote the three different, uh, chapters. Mm-hmm. I, I was enamored by this film and, it's it's easily the hardest film I have to recommend someone that I yes. think is excellent because I'm just like it is not a movie that everyone needs to watch for sure. It comes with an asterisk, doesn't it? The recommendation it, it, it does because it, you know it's going to be tough and it's going to be triggering for some people. Um, and and I guess in some ways it could be controversial. Some people may not mm-hmm. agree with what the movie's message seems to be. Um, but I thought Ridley Scott did a tremendous job filming very tough sequences and very very. I don't know how to say it. it's not like. Professional doesn't sound right, but they're not exploitative. I think you brought up that point too last week, yeah. and it's just so it's so good. I, I really want to stress it, and um, I think this was a message between you and I. But like Adam Driver needs to chill; like he's too freaking good. <laughs> he's so like, let some other people well. have some talent, man. Like it, it's so crazy how good he is, and it's so natural feeling. Like he always seems so natural in his performances. Yeah. Um, just. I love love the movie. Um, I watched My Bloody Valentine from 1981, the original. Yeah. Um, for two reasons, but one of them being I, I spoke about Ice Nine Kills last week. One of their songs uh, is about that movie, so I'd never seen that movie. I was like, well, I need to check that off the list. Um, fun Canadian horror. It's not perfect. Very enjoyable. Um, Big Tuna recommended a movie called Gaia that just dropped here on Friday on Hulu. Yeah. Um, Really cool, really, really well-made movie. I've uh, heard of this. Now, you have played Last of Us, like myself. Oh, yeah. More reason I think you should watch Gaia. Um, yeah, I think it's pronounced Gaia, by the way. It's G-A-I-A. It's definitely... I think so, not, yeah. 
involved in last of us, but there's a lot about the movie that reminded me of last of us um, in several ways, actually. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, good performances, a lot of newcomers, but it's very, very, very well made. Um, some really cool visual effects too. And uh, I watched, as I mentioned earlier, Dune 84. Um, it's on HBO max. But also, by the way, uh, I do, I actually already owned it, but it's still there. It is on HBO max. Um, I caught VHS 94, which I believe oh, you've yeah. also seen. I did. Um, I really like, there were two that I thought really stood out as like, yes. excellent. Um, the first one, the, the rat man, I really, really liked. I thought that one went wild. And mm-hmm. then, uh, I actually think I liked the last two as well. I didn't love the connecting story though. Like it felt real forced. Like, Which one was that, that one again? The, like the police officers are raiding like a warehouse with a bunch of VHS tapes and like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah. I didn't, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't dislike it, but I know what you mean. It, well, it just felt like real artificial. Like nothing felt like, Oh, that makes sense. It was just like, yeah, this happens. I'm like, okay, I guess I don't know. Okay. Um, movie club this week is our last creature feature. And we covered 1941's the Wolfman. Uh, it was the only universal monster film that I had not seen. Yep. Um, I, I guess technically I haven't seen the original Phantom of the Opera, but I don't, I don't count that one. So I'm just like, whatever. Um, I'm so, <laughs> to me, it starts with Dracula. It's like Dracula, Frankenstein, um, mummy, invisible man, Wolfman, and creature, the black lagoon. That's the, and to be fair, Bride of Frankenstein as well. I've seen all of them now. It was the last one on my list. Um, it's one of the latest ones as well. So I was glad to finally uh, check that one out. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's good. I have an issue with a part of it is like when he gets bit by his werewolf, it looks like a wolf. <laughs> but he never looks like a wolf. He looks like a dude with fur. Like it's like, <laughs> yeah. wait, hold on. How how is he supposed to know that first one was a werewolf? It looked like a wolf. It didn't look like a dude. Um, and I don't know if that. I don't feel like that's ever explained in the movie like that. Oh well, if you're a werewolf long enough, you just look more like a wolf. Like there's none of that. So I don't know. Um, fine. Uh, caught uh, in the earth. Um, another big tuna recommendation for me. Um, is that the Ben Wheat- Wheatley film? Is it? Yes, it is the yes. Ben Wheatley film. Um, okay, so I keep forgetting the dude's name, but he's also in Cruella from this year. Oh, the, yeah, um, the British, obviously British actor. Yeah, yes. and he's in uh, Yesterday, the the lackluster Danny Boyle film from a couple years ago. Yeah, um, but he was the best part of that movie, in my opinion. Joel Fry, I Joel love Fry. this guy. Yep, and he he needs more movies. I I immediately like him when he's in something. I I'm so invested in his character. Uh, he is great. Alora Tor- uh, Torchier, I'm guessing is how you say that. Um, excellent also like no, both of them fantastic. Um, and there's not a bad performance, but those two, I just was really into, um, I've been up and down on Wheatley's movies. Like I really like free fire. Um, I, I thought high rise was fine. I didn't love high rise and I, I've not been able to bring myself to watch his remake of Hitchcock's Rebecca because I heard not great things and I love Rebecca. So I was just like, I don't, I don't know if I can do it. So I haven't done it to see it. Yep. Um, but, uh, in the Earth is on the positive list for me with Ben mm-hmm. Wheatley. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was um, pretty good. And it, uh, oh, you saw it? Uh, I did. Yes. Um, oh, okay. It came out a while ago now over here. Um, mm. I remember seeing a trailer for it pre-pandemic and Matt being able to catch it and uh, fairly, oh, wow. fairly timely as well. As well. Yeah, it does. I, um, it is well, a point. very much a pandemic movie. Uh, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, uh, I check that off the list and then um the last thing i saw i watched last night is night teeth on netflix okay um have you heard of this nope so uh, this big tuna i i don't want to say he recommended it he said it was fun um he told me it was john wick and vampires and so he had me there and then uh but then kind of scale back it was like of all the john wick knockoffs he thought he had the most fun with this one you know there's been a lot of parody or not necessarily parody but movies that are trying to do the same thing john wick did mostly lackluster but the idea of the world building and that's what this movie attempts to do it's not it definitely doesn't have the budget to pull off the action um to the degree that john wick does there is some in here it's not bad it's not anywhere near the level of a john wick actions stuff but the world building's compelling but what won me over um the lead actor is george lendenborg jr who has done some things um I've seen a lot of things he's in, actually. Uh, Alita Battle Angel, B- Brigsby Bear, Bumblebee. <gasps> is he the the love interest in Bumblebee? Yes, he is. I already like this guy. That was a, I <laughs> didn't realize that until now. I was already a big fan of him from that, because um, I, I thought that guy in Bumblebee was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really liked him in this also. 
the, so I don't know what your experience is with Debbie Ryan because your your daughter is much younger than my daughter. Um, but we watched Jesse <laughs> a lot in this house. Mm-hmm. Debbie Ryan's one of those Disney actresses where sometimes she's too much, where she's a bit, you know, she's doing the Disney thing where like you're yep you're bigger than than a natural performance by any means. And the movie starts. I'm not sold that this was a good call for me to watch. Like it's feeling like a Netflix movie, <laughs> and I'm not sure that's a good thing. And by the end of the film, though, I was won over. Um, I really, really like there's a relationship that becomes kind of the center of the film that I bought into and loved. And that, that made me enjoy the movie. So despite some of the shortcomings, but my favorite thing, dude is big tuna sells it to me as a John wick, you know, kind of movie. And the movie starts, I have not looked at the cast yet. So I have no idea who's in this movie. Like I was surprised when I saw Debbie Ryan, I'm like, Oh, I've just had a look at the cast, man. So this this car pulls up next to who I thought was going to be our protagonist, uh, played by Raul Castillo, but he is just a secondary character. Mm-hmm. Um, but a car pulls up who is clearly going to be like the villain. And I'm like, is that freaking Alfie Allen? <laughs> it is. And it freaking is. And I'm like, what are the odds they would cast a guy who triggers John Wick to trigger this <laughs> story as well? Um, he's a little more... Uh, powerful in this because in john wick he's kind of like a henchman who a gets bit of a punk here in over his head here he is not that um mostly but it is it, there is some world building there is some cool stuff in this movie i again um there's a couple of stunt casts uh megan fox is listed as as like number seven on the call sheet here she's in it for like 10 seconds like it is it is cameo okay. at best but um honestly not the best part of the movie either so maybe for the good <laughs> that she's not in it much but I, I was really impressed with the lead and Debbie Ryan. I thought they were excellent. And uh, at the end of the movie, I had I had a good time with it. So like Big Tuna said, he, he said it's not a great movie, but I had fun. That's definitely where I'm at with it. And I would recommend it, especially if you already have Netflix. There are way worse movies on Netflix that you could watch. If you like vampires, if you like a little bit of action, you like a good a good love story. I think uh, it, it works for me. Um, I, I bought into the movie quite a bit. Uh, um, I'll, I'll loan out the Matt Hudson quote then signature quote to Big Tuna wasn't a good, wasn't a great movie but I had a great time with it yeah and there it is uh, what have you been consuming my friend um, quite a bit I will just say looking at that cast it's a very good looking cast for Night oh, Chief yeah. even if they're not in it for that long I mean they've they've they've, they've assembled a fairly decent looking cast at, in mm-hmm. many ways but yeah the poster looks very John Wicky as well um, yes it very much does very much does uh, just on on your points there the last duel the female writer was Nicole Holof Sinner um, yes. and the, the Wolfman the remake with uh, Ryan Gosling, Lee Wanell was going to direct it, but he's now oh, yes. had to leave due to scheduling commitments. And uh, Derek um, Cian France is stepping in, so another uh, re- re- another reunion with the Blue Valentine director as well with Ryan Gosling. So as much as I would, I would have loved, loved, loved to see Wanell's take on this, I have no issue with that director coming in. No, yeah, I'm a big fan of Cian France. So yep, there we go. I, I've I have I've actually seen France as well, but um, um uh. right. I know. Sorry. <clears throat> so I've been listening to the Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong podcast. They did. Uh, they kind of went through the Halloween franchise, and you know, are, are the Rotten Tomatoes scores wrong in with Halloween? And I tend to say they don't. I actually listed ranked my Halloween films in order recently of how I thought where they all kind of stood, and it seems to be fairly consensus. A lot of people shift three, four, and Halloween kills around, but. I'm happy with how mine looks, but listen to that. And in terms of films, I, I mentioned the last jewel last week. So to jump off you, yep. thought that was a very good film. Um, I, what I didn't mention last week was I watched Venom. Let there be carnage. I watched that last week. And as soon as we'd finished recording, I thought, oh, God damn, I didn't mention it. Um, and I remember you saying you hate it or didn't like it. Sorry. You really didn't like it, but um, I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was as good as the first film, which in itself wasn't a good film. It, Again, not a good film. Had a good time with the first film. Second, and the second film for me is much of the same. The, the second, Let There Be Carnage, is clearly not very good. I mean, it's, as a film, it's just, it's a bit rubbish. But I was sold again by Tom Hardy, mainly Tom Hardy and Venom, the symbiote. I just think they went hard at some points. Woody Harrelson is having the time of his life as Carnage. Uh, I thought it was okay. Nothing more, nothing more, nothing worse than that. It's not one of the worst things I've ever seen. It's not one of the best things I've seen all year by far, but 
it's it's the old cliche. Generally, if you like the first film, you're probably going to like this film. Though I have also seen people say the opposite; they did like the first, but didn't really like this one. But it's down the middle for me. Um, I, I went and watched. A, I didn't. What I bought a film called The Two Faces of January recently. Oscar Isaac, uh, Viggo Mortensen, Kirsten Dunst, kind of, sort of modern sort of neo noir thriller film, which I hadn't heard of until a few weeks ago when I saw it on a on a blu-ray remember they have the trailers before the films on a blu-ray i was like oh a film with oscar isaac and vigo mortensen in God, i've got to watch this and i thought it was pretty good i don't know if you've seen it or not or heard of it um i have not Which, it was it was called something else yeah it was called something else originally and they changed it to the two faces of january for some like uh mythical reason like literally mythical like greek mythical reason i think um oh. But I thought well, it was January pretty good. Has, yeah, I I have not heard of it. Um, I, ooh, now I kind of feel like I might have heard something about it, but see, I thought I would have done, but I was well, I was seeing the trailer. I thought, I, yeah, I like I like all of these actors. Why haven't I not heard of this? But I watched it, and it's and it's pretty good. Um, I also watched. Um, I think it's pronounced Titan. Titan. I've heard it pronounced like four different ways, and I have no idea. <laughs> I've heard people say Titan, Titan, um, but I've apparently the apparently the correct way is Titan. So Titan, I watched or Titan, whatever the French film from the same from Julia Decorno, I believe her name is the the director of Raw, the film I was with uh, Gareth Merillier a few years ago. Um, yes, Julia Decorno. Uh, and it's <laughs> odd. It's very odd. I'm, I, I, yeah. It's one of those films a bit... Uh, there's a, one film we watched last year where I sort of sat and had to call JB afterwards. I was like, Jesus, this is... This is that oh, was yeah. She Dies Tomorrow. Uh, Titan, Titan would have been one of those films as well. If, if you'd seen it, I would have been on the phone saying, right, we've got to talk about this because it's, it's so strange. I won't say anything about anything in it, but I'm not yeah, sure I, I liked it, but... I think I know more I about it than I wanted to. Okay, yeah. Well, uh, I didn't know anything about it, uh, so again, I'm not entirely sure I liked the film. I think it, again, I like technically it's a good film, um, but I didn't come out of it feeling anything particularly positive. So it might be one of those films where I I recognise that it's well made, it's well acted. God damn, the lead actress goes for it, but I didn't connect to it. So. I don't um, think it's going to be attacking the top of my list this year, my friend. You sound like Big Tuna on this one, which is funny because this this has happened a couple of times where like the big critical darling uh, doesn't sit the same with you and him. Even though we don't always see eye to eye on like the more general movies, um, the three of us, yeah. like we were all kind of on that side of Roma. Oh yeah. Um, I feel like there was something last year that we were kind of all on the same side of as well, uh, and I don't remember what it was. So maybe I not. And then, uh, but he also was not in love with Titan and the other day even said he was considering buying it on because it's now available on VOD um, mm-hmm. he was considering buying it to watch it to see if there was something he missed because he's not yeah. understanding the praise that is being showered upon it it's um, very very strange my friend because it's been sh- it was showing at London Film Festival over here and then subsequently just stayed in theatres for a little bit longer so I was able to catch it up, up London well, I've been up London far too much recently um, and again it's very well made is it's it's everything you want a good film to be but it i just did not connect to the character the main character despite how good the performance was the situation was just i, I was thinking this is it's, it's a very strange film and by the end of it i was just left scratching my head like 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 uh, big tuna have i missed something fundamental but i was in you know i'm, I'm locked in i'm watching it I don't think I did. I just don't think it worked for me. Whereas a Raw did work for me. The her first yeah. film, this one, not so rough. much. Again, I'm not going to say it's a bad film. Not so, not not at all. You know, I, I throw in a six and a half, maybe if I'm going to rank it right now. Fit, I, well, well above I average. Feel like, but it just didn't grab me. Yeah, I don't feel like I don't know this the director at all in person or anything. But I don't feel like she would expect the movie she's making to sit with everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like no, that would absolutely be, not a pretty bold assumption on her part because her movies are pretty wild. Like I loved raw, but man, I don't know if I can ever really watch it again. Like, I think I could watch scenes from it, but there is stuff that bothered me mm-hmm. to my core. Um, and I definitely feel like this movie from what I've heard 
may not work for me. I, I am also very intrigued by it. So I might be able to like buy in because of that. So I, I don't know. I do hope to see it soon. I, uh, it's, I will see it before the end of the year for sure, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's plenty of messages in it and they're not, they're not subtle whatsoever. You know what I mean? There's a lot of identity politics and, um, things like that. Let's just say for people who haven't seen it, which aren't subtle, but I don't, th- I don't think they were handled particularly well. I think they're quite heavy handed and fairly shallow at points as well. We mentioned that with Halloween kills, I'm not going to compare the two, but in terms of putting a message across, okay, but maybe dive deeper into that allegory a little bit more than you did to make it successful rather than kind of trying to blow us away of this uh, overly art house style you've gone for uh, and story. But Hey, it's good. It seems to be working for an awful lot of people, but I don't think it's worked for me, my friend. And uh, finally, last night uh, I went to watch Antlers. Thankfully to Searchlight Pictures for putting that on. Went up to London to watch Antlers, the Kerry Russell, Jesse Plemons uh, horror film, which was due to come out last year pandemic hit and it's now out this year it's coming out by the time this episode drops it will be out mm. within a day or two um and i've watched antlers it's only about an hour and a half it blasts through and i think Atlas is pretty solid i think it was pretty solid I, I put in my kind of reaction that it's not scary you know it's not a scary film but it is perpetually gloomy the whole thing is there's, there's no levity at all it is very atmosphere heavy it's very grim film um kerry russell's very good jesse Ple- when life gives you plemons you drink up he is fabulous he's always great but i think the leads are, are good the young boy in the film is also very good there's some grisly imagery uh they uh the, the end may get some people but um there was one particular jump scare and i'm so glad somebody else picked up and i saw this afternoon but there's one jump scare that just ripped the cinema apart it, it, you may you could you think you see it coming but it hits and everybody, mm. me included, just jumped out of their seat. You could just hear, like the, you could hear the the air rising as people jumped and then went bang down in their seats. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Probably with the best jump scare, most effective jump scare of the year, coming from somebody who doesn't really like jump scares, but it worked. So uh, bear that in mind. That at some point they're going to get you. But I thought Antlers was was pretty good. I, I I don't think it's the best horror film of the year. It's not the worst, but it's one of the better horror films I've seen, but I also recognize that I don't think this film, when it gets released to a wider audience, I think the RT score, which is currently kind of high seventies, I think that will go down. I don't think it's going to work for everyone, but it worked for me purely on more atmosphere. And I think the two leads are very good. So antlers, check it out. Are you going to go and see it, JB? Yeah, I I plan to, Uh, there's another movie coming out this week. Uh, that I'm super pumped about, so that has priority. Of course, we're also going to be talking about that for, uh, yes, for our next episode. But um, I indeed. definitely, uh, I thought the trailer looked solid. I kind of want to know, and you, you don't have to answer on air if you feel like it's mm-hmm. a spoiler, but is it a Wendigo movie? Um, Even if it wasn't a spoiler, or even if it is a spoiler, I will answer it off air. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, Just in case, because you never know people's tolerance of spoilers nowadays. Fair. And uh, I just, Corey and I just covered The Retreat, um, yep, yep, yep. which is a Wendigo movie. And uh, I'm just curious. It, I, we're kind of like, what? there's a lot of Wendigo films all of a sudden. So we were kind of like uh, talking about that. And I was like, Antlers looks like it could be, mm-hmm. especially because it's called Antlers. But I don't know for a fact. We'll find out. I will, um, right, will well, WhatsApp you after that. this recording, my friend. But um, well, before our next episode... And also, since our last episode, we always got to stay bloody awesome. We are the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, uh, and there's a reason why. It's because we are bloody awesome, but we have to uh, maintain those levels throughout the week via a smorgasbord of activities. So, JB, what on earth have you been doing to stay bloody awesome this week? So, today, when we're recording this, it is October 26, 2021. Is that yes. correct, Matt? It is, sir, indeed. So, I say that because I, as of today, I have watched 30 of 31 horror movies for the month of October. Um, That's not counting the non-horror films that I also watched this month. Uh, So I was a little uncertain if I would, if I would be able to do it. Um, I am a 100% because the movie that comes out before Halloween that we're covering on this podcast next week is classified as a horror movie. So guaranteed number 31 will be seen before the end of the week. Um, I considered like going harder on it and be like, well, how many can I hit? And I'm just like, you know what? There's other movies I really want to watch that aren't horror. I, I've hit the number. I'm just going to 
watch what I want. Not if I happen to watch an extra horror movie or two, cool. That's not the plan. Um, I did watch a quite a bit of horror films. A lot of things I've been meaning to check off. Some I'd never heard of uh, before. Big Tuna recommended, but I'm glad I actually everything he recommended really worked. So uh, I'm grateful for that, my friend. And um, and yeah, like it's been uh, it's been a month of a lot of, a lot of fun horror films. Um, and I, I haven't done a challenge like that in a while. I got a little overwhelmed the last couple of years with the pandemic and everything. Yep. Uh, so, you know, Burke review started off as a challenge to watch a movie a day for the entire year of 2016. Um, and, and write a review for everyone. That's how the whole thing began. Um, and I've done the 31 days of horror, I think maybe two other times, uh, in that span since 2016. Um, but I, I've not been able to complete any challenges that I've, I have not even really been willing to take them on the last couple of years. So uh, this was kind of like a return to form for me. Like I'm going to do this. Uh, I'll fit it into my schedule. So there were a lot of Saturday and Sundays where I watched three or four movies. Um, and I just, you know, I did work and stuff while I was watching them, mm-hmm. but uh, I wanted to uh, commit to this this time. I, and early on I was very like, uh, maybe I'll do it. Maybe I won't. Um, but no, I, I, I stuck it in and I, I did knock it out. I've collectively, I've watched 36 movies this month. Um, so just six more, uh, movies than, than, and again, 30 of those are horror. Um, yep. and I have one more to go, uh, that I will, you know, we're going to mention here in just a moment when we tell you what next week's episode yes. is going to be. Some of you, of course, already know because you've probably been anticipating it as long as I have, but Matt, how have you been staying bloody awesome? Well, firstly, well done, my friend. 30, 30 films in a month is hard enough, but 30 yeah. films of one genre is a fabulous effort. So well done, my friend, uh, in different uh, quality as well. Um, I've been staying bloody awesome by going to Comic-Con. Uh, MCM Comic-Con was this weekend in London. It's the Europe's biggest Comic-Con or oh, comic okay. convention. It's the, it's the, it's the big boy. Uh, and this is the repop on it. They're trying to vie with the big boys in the States now. They go big. This one was a... You know, it's the first one since the pandemic hit, and you could tell. You know, there was a few less exhibitors. There's a little bit more room. The, there were only the only guests that were there were basically the cast of Loki, including Tom Hiddleston. There were you know others that came on the Sunday, lots of kind of directors of genre films, and uh, there were people there. Gabriel Luna was there signing, and we were due to speak to Gabriel, but he had a tea break, and we couldn't grab him after that, which is very disappointing. Um, but uh, it was great fun covering it for the sessions. So we went there with, the st- with our Star Wars hats on, but you know it's Comic Con, man. It's it's an absolute blast. It's a wonderful vibe. Everyone is there to have a good time, and everyone did have a good time. Some of the cosplayers were fantastic. Everyone we spoke to and interviewed was was uh, was fair game. They had a good time as well. So it's been basically been staying bloody awesome by getting involved in the spirit of pop culture again uh, with Comic Con. We hope hopefully there'll be more coming up before the end of the year, and I can't wait for next year when they go big once again and they get back to hopefully normal with in terms of scheduling with guests and with you know tr- retailers traders. Sorry, but Comic Con, my friend, was an absolute blast. I think it's it is knocked me for six though having to actually go there and do and work because we were there uh, as accredited members of the press, which sounds bigger than it is. Uh, so we had to actually you know work whilst we were there. And I think being on being on the go the whole day, plus getting up early, travelling to London and back two days, it's put me on my backside, which I think is part of the reason why I'm suffering somewhat. But um, I wouldn't change it for the world. It's an absolute blast. And I'm looking forward to getting to Florida Con, if there's such a thing soon. I mean, we have, uh, I think the second biggest co- convention in the, the country is uh, Megacon in Orlando. Yep. Uh, that which one. I've been to several times. Um it's a lot of fun. I do. I I have not gone for a couple of years because I do get overwhelmed with the uh, amount of people. It's it is busy, they are busy. Um. So, but yeah, and we have we have some local conventions and uh, things like that that are not as not nearly as big. But um, like recently, I went to that the toy based convention um like a month ago nice. or whatever. Uh, that was fun. You know, they just it was mostly like collectibles and things of that nature. It wasn't really. Uh, anything else but it was still it was a lot of fun a lot of cool stuff that you don't see everywhere kind of thing i got a couple of cool pop vinyls um as i i collect but yeah conventions are a lot of fun i i was following your socials i saw you got to hang out with your brother there too though that was cool yes um we've got a couple of our listeners i say our listeners but we had a lot of them were there because they were going anyway and we we spent a lot of time with them during the day and then a and then a hardy handful 
came to the after party as well, which was which was good fun. And yes, my brother was there, uh, and if one of the guys came over from France as well to come see us and join in, so uh, that was lovely. But it's just great the vibe. I mean, I was so grateful to see people I haven't seen for a long time, listeners of the show who we've been meaning to see for a long time but just haven't been able to because of COVID. So it's wonderful to finally get to meet people uh, and have a good time as well, all surrounded by everything we love it wasn't just star wars it was everything lots of anime lots of marvel lots of everything so comic con yeah megacon i'm coming for you next year or hopefully hopefully so uh keep that in mind but uh that will do it then for this episode of the bloody awesome movie podcast john has alluded to it next week we're covering what has been classed as a uh, horror it's called last night in soho the new edgar wright film uh, Thomas M. McKenzie, Anya Taylor, Joy, Matt Smith, cannot wait. We'll be uh, covering that next week in all its glory. So let us know what you thought of Dune. And you can do that by following us on Twitter at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. Where can they find us on Instagram, JB? We are at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Uh, if you still do Facebook, Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast on there. You can find me, whatiwatchtonight.co.uk, and just search What I Watch Tonight on all the socials and letterboxed. Uh, John? And I am at BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all the social media. Yep. Uh, if you love what we're doing here, please do consider giving us five stars because it helps get more listeners in. And it means we get the chance to speak to more of you guys each and every week. And as film fans kind of why we're here for so uh please do consider doing that however with that i am gonna say stay bloody awesome and keep watching movies another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 